Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome to the Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar, reminding us all there's certainly many cool, cool things and wonderful things to do right here, culturally, historically, and flat-out fun in Mississippi. Just go to visitmississippi.org to find out more. Today's guest, thanks to my pal Randy Watkins, who's been on this show, I was fortunate enough to have, uh, set me up. I'm excited. Our guest graduated from the University of Mississippi, served two years in the Army like so many did in his generation, like my dad. We've always wondered what's in the water in Mississippi that creates such talented personalities, unique characters, flat out just amazing talent. And we can go right to Tupelo, Mississippi, birthplace of the king of rock and roll, but how does lightning strike twice there? Today's guest became a regular on the Lawrence Welk Show, something I sure watched with my family, my parents, grandparents, uh, as a kid growing up with my brothers and sisters. It was one of the biggest shows ever. He also performed with such entertainers as Dinah Shore and Jim Neighbors and was a guest on multiple big primetime shows like Johnny Carson, Merv Griffin, Joey Bishop, Mike Douglas. I can go on forever. And look, I can do an intro a mile long, worthy of a month's worth of Mississippi Minutes, but nobody wants to hear me do that. Let's just get right to it in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio and get to know better one of the greats of our state and the globe, the multi-talented, the legendary Guy Hovis. Hey, Guy. Hey, Steve. My goodness. <laughs> Are you sure that was me you were talking about? Yeah, we know it was you. <laughs> I'm, I'm that other singer from Tupelo. I used to introduce myself. As I, oh, I love but, it. Uh, hey, let's talk about that back then. So where were you with Elvis uh, as far as sort of timeline-wise? Well, let's see. Elvis is uh, 1935. He was six years older than I am, so I never knew Elvis in Tupelo. He moved to Memphis when he was 13. Mm-hmm. Have a, by the way, they have a wonderful museum there in Tupelo of, of Elvis's life up to his 13th year. If anybody in, in that, I mean, you're talking about the things you can see in Memphis. Oh, right, this right. Is, this is really worth at least a half a day, maybe a full day of your time. But uh, Elvis, uh, yeah, I, I, I never knew. He came back to do a big homecoming show at the Mississippi, I think they used to call it the Mississippi Alabama Fair and Dairy Show, something like that. It was 1956. And my dad, who was a highway patrolman, Mississippi, one of the original Mississippi highway patrolmen, uh, was one of his escorts. <laughs> so I got to go backstage there at that concert. You know, I was too shy to ever walk up and <laughs> introduce myself. I mean, I was 15 years old. But anyhow, years later, uh, after I got on the Welk Show, there were a couple of times that I had tried to arrange 
when he was working in Vegas was one time, I think it was both times in Vegas, friends of mine were his opening act, and they were going to arrange for me to go down to stairs uh, after the show and meet Elvis. Well, both times, some kind of miscommunication or something happened. Never got to go down there and talk to him. But we were on an airplane one time with uh, his then-girlfriend, Linda Thompson. Linda said, I want you to know we watched the Lawrence Welk show Saturday night. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding. <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, Elvis knows who you are and, and that you're from Tupelo and all that stuff. So wow. that, was, that was the closest I ever got to Elvis so you right never, there. You know, I'm wondering if, if she was... So I made a record at Club Ebony a few years ago uh, and uh, made a, a feature documentary. And one of the band, my bandmates was David Briggs. And I'm wondering, was it her that he started to mess around with that got him fired? <laughs> it was somebody. <laughs> it, well, that was, and that sounds familiar. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I love it. Hey, we're talking to Guy Hobbit. So Guy, go back a little bit. So you're growing up and, and are you a regular kid? When does, are you one, you talk about being shy but oh yeah you and i both know when you get on stage sometimes like i don't love being in crowds but i like being in front of them you know i feel comfortable so with you growing up when did you start to realize that or did you start realizing at a young age that you were going to be an entertainer i don't think i ever really thought about being an entertainer i never knew anybody that was in the entertainment business anything about it but from the time i was like four or five years old my mom and my pastor would drag me up on the stage at church and get me to sing. And then all through high school, I sang in all the little musical productions we had in high school. And at Ole Miss, I sang in a couple of Broadway productions we did there. And I sang for civic clubs. I've always been, my first love of music, and still is, is Southern Gospel Quartet music, which Mm. I grew up with, with the Statesman, Blackwood Brothers, and guys like that. So I had a little uh, quartet from the time I was probably 13, 14 years old uh, in Tupelo in high school there. We're pretty good. We won the, <laughs> we won the Mid-South Talent Contest one Well, I time. don't doubt it. I mean, I mean, when I was about a junior in high school, I think. But uh, anyhow, I don't know where I was going with all no, that. No, no, that's all right. No, I, I've never really, I, I, you know, I just, I, I stayed so reluctant to get on stage, and yet, Something deep down was making me go ahead and do things like auditioning for these parts and these mm-hmm. musicals, and you know, and people were just asking me to sing it for the civic club there in Tupelo, and and I got such positive feedback, you know, and such support, right? You know, which followed me all through my career. All people of Mississippi have been so supportive, you know, they can yeah. be and are yeah. of their own, so. Yeah, for for me, guy, it was the same way. I mean, I I was doing the church thing and all that, but I wanted to really write songs. I really that was really sort of my first thing. But did you? And you're right. When you're, especially in Mississippi, there's been so much talent, and when you're seeing people lift you up and 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 say that was beautiful and wonderful, and continue to ask you to do things, and you're doing it, it does. It definitely was a, a road map for folks like us to get somewhere there's no that doubt right. that positive no feedback doubt. was so important but like did you have to do so you talk about gospel and church and you know you know you do weddings but you have to do funerals and funerals are always tough for me by the grave site did you do that did you do that as well well I, i'm doing a lot more of it now no no, oh, like no, I've no I know. in the last you know last 10 20 years you know i've sung a lot more funerals than i have yeah. weddings 
Yeah. But growing up, it was generally it was always weddings. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah. Tough as a little kid, I used to tell my parents, "This is not right." And they said, "You're doing, you're doing the Lord's work, and and you're making people feel better." And I said, "This is hard, you know. This is not, you know." They even got me to do my grandfather's one time. I was crying like a baby. I couldn't get through that. And I said, "Don't ever ask me to do that again." I, you can't sing when you're crying, you know. So, so it was a tough it. deal. I, I did. I sang at my grandmother's and my mother's actually. Oh wow! Which was uh, oh man. I, I just, I just said. She would want this, so yeah. I, you know, you just do it. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, but we're, t- we're talking to Guy Hobus. So, Guy, you go to Ole Miss? Why Ole Miss? You were a big a fan, a big fan there. Not state, not southern, not anywhere else. Always a well. All my yeah, all my best friends went to Ole Miss, <clears throat> and I followed them over there. Didn't really know what I wanted to study, so my very best friend uh, Bill Eubank was an accounting major. He said, "If you don't know what you're going to do, come on over." Get, go to accounting school be a good background. So that's what I did. I, I graduated with a degree in accounting. Most Miss people ask me how I got How'd you get in the show business? I said, well, I went to Ole Miss, and I majored in accounting. <laughs> That'll get you right in. Well, So I went through, um, had to go, the, I, I was in ROTC, and so I had a two-year commitment to Army. Mm-hmm. When I got out of school, and right during that, you know, build-up of the Vietnam uh, conflict, and uh, I tried everywhere in the world to go there. I went to, went to paratrooper school and all other kind of schools trying to get sent out of Fort Sill, Oklahoma, where they had me stationed. They had me stationed out there teaching in the officer, officer candidate school there because they were trying to turn out officers at, mm-hmm. at that time. <clears throat> but they kept sending me back to Fort Sill. <laughs> well, you and, never got uh, to go. I never went to Vietnam. The Lord was looking out for me, I'm yeah. telling you, and you, all my life. You yeah. wanted to. Well, yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that. But So you actually wanted to go over there? It was something that you felt compelled to do? And I did. Crazy. Two of my roommates, said we rented a house. They didn't have housing on base at Fort Sale. Two of them went to Vietnam. Both of them survived it, mm. although one of them has got some really bad after effects from Agent Orange right now. But. Mm. Yeah, the Lord was looking out for me. The last year I was, uh, the last few months I was in the Army out there at Fort Sill, they were having a talent contest on the base, and the winners were going to go on a tour of the 4th Army. And uh, I I went over and entered that thing and won. And and, uh, (laughs) my commanding officer at OCS was not happy. Because was, I was going to have to go on this tour. It was like six weeks. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, I love so it. So they made me an officer in charge on the tour. <laughs> Boy, was that an experience. <laughs> well, uh, hey, you got used to being the band leader, man, leader of the band. Oh, that's that's mercy. all part of it. We're talking, I love, we're talking to Guy Hobie, so we're going to go into a quick break here in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org. Go to Tupelo. Check out the Elvis Museum, the, the days when he was 13 and under. That's got to be incredible. So many wonderful things to do right here. Go to visit Mississippi.org with the great Guy Hobus. I'm Steve Azar. Stand by. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. They say you can't take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Well, Guy Hovis is still a country boy at heart. His song, Country Boy.
Watkins, uh, who who absolutely owes us, me, both Guy and I, a bunch of golf lessons right now, and we're going to take you up on that. Uh, go to visitmississippi.org. You can find golf if you want to go play golf this week and get away. It's a great game to get to know people. Got plenty of great courses like Randy's, uh, like George Bryan's, uh, just so many friends of ours that have great, that have spent their life in the are are gambling in the golf business and uh and it's been it's such a beautiful thing to watch land turn into something uh even more precious so all right hey, hey steve yeah speaking yeah. of speaking of randy watkins last well, let's see just probably just about a week ago no a little over a week ago from the time we're having this conversation i am my first hole in one come ever. on <laughs> i've been playing golf over 50 years wow. i got my first Hole in one on Randy Watkins Whisper Lake course. On <laughs> well, hole number sixteen. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I so want to know what happened. I, yeah, I can rest in peace now. <laughs> <clears throat> what was it? How far? What, what, what iron? Did, you don't have to tell us what iron you had, did. But how far? Well, was it was. It? A, it's a hole I played so many times. You know, it's like uh, I had a nine iron, one hundred and thirty yards, and uh, you knew exactly. Where to hit this ball on this green? Because it slopes right to left, and it I've uh, hit it a mi- you know hundreds of times and never hit that spot mm-hmm. right. <laughs> it hit right that day and just rolled right down and disappeared. Unfortunately, all us old guys are <laughs> we couldn't see that far, so <laughs> we weren't sure it went in the hole. Oh, we thought, thought it, it might have gone over the back of the green, but oh, wow. went up there and looked in the hole, and there that baby was. Well, I never got to be on Johnny Carson or got to be on, you know, Dinah Shore or work with Dinah Shore or Jim Neighbors, that big burly voice. Uh, yeah. uh, but but I've made seven of those hole-in-ones. And my last one on a par four with Jim McMahon on the green in St. Croix just yelling. <laughs> so there's a short par four. But anyway, the point was, the point was, I, it's been a while, and now I'm hitting it so bad that it, I have no shot. There's nothing going near the hole. <laughs> But I love it. Congratulations. Well, that's wonderful. Wonderful. That's amazing that's if you had seven of those. I mean, that's, that's a feat. Hey, listen, one time yeah. you'll love this guy. One of one of guys in the music business, uh, I called him the great one. Uh, he old enough to be my father. He had been in a car wreck. And he said, you know, he had a neck brace on. And, you know, he, you know, it wasn't his fault. So his lawyer said, listen, no golf. You can't be on the golf course. So I convinced him. I said, who's going to know? So we went to Forest Crossing in, in Franklin, Tennessee. And I make a one that day. Well, I got to have him as a witness. So he goes, listen, you cannot. I said, you gotta, <laughs> nobody's going nobody's gonna to read the paper the next, the next two days later when it was in there. His lawyer's calling. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, oh, boy. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> it didn't story. work out for him. But I told him, I said, look, you had to be my witness. I had, you know, come on. Take that neck brace off. Anyway, all right. So, guy, so, so let's get to talking about the, your journey um, how does the Lawrence Welk show happen? Is that your sort of first – how can it be your first break, first of all? It's a huge show. Or was well, it your first break? No. You know, I <clears throat> I still can't believe I did this. It's a, another one of those uh, God things. It just kind of led me to, to – after I got out of the Army, I went back to Ole Miss and took a, a semester of, of accounting trying to pass a CPA, which I didn't. <laughs> and all my friends there had told me – 
over and over. You need to go try the music business. You need to go try, you know, go somewhere, New York, L.A., Nashville, go somewhere, or you'll always look back and say, hmm, I wonder if I could have done it. So I packed up my old 63 Catalina Pontiac <laughs> and took off for uh, L.A. Mainly went to L.A. because my old friend and uh, fraternity brother old miss tom lester who would have become a regular on the green acres tv show yeah yeah tom said this is the place to come he said this is where it's happening he said come on out here he, he told me uh, uh, a little nightclub in santa monica he said you need to go there and meet this person this friend of his who worked there and he'll kind of introduce you to the owners and so i hiked it on out to la i, I didn't have enough money i don't think to last six weeks when I got there. So I went on out there to the Horn, a little club where Jim Neighbors had started. And, and I met this guy, David, and he introduced me to the owners. And I sat around there for a week or two. And and David had an audition for Summerstock Theater out in the Valley Music Theater. He said, I can't make this audition. I can't say, will you go in my place? Will you go take that spot? Well, I did, and who knows? I mean, lo and behold, I get the part. What? Come on. <laughs> wow. wow. I hadn't even been there a month, and uh, I got a job. I wound up working three summer stock shows that summer at the Valley Music Theater. Wow. That's when I found out about unions. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, had to join yeah. a union, yeah. and they took everything <laughs> I made for dues. <laughs> but anyhow, that was a start. And then when that got done, I went back out to the horn, talked to the owners. They said, well, we really don't have a place for you right now. It was kind of like a little cabaret theater kind yeah. of thing they had. Like. <clears throat> but they, they let me check IDs at the front door and do little odd jobs around there. I actually worked for their accountant. Uh, part-time for a little while. Just, uh, There's that accounting end, degree it, coming into handy. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you did. You know. And um, so I'd been there, I don't know, six months or so, and they started letting me sing late at night after everybody is finished. It'd be like one thirty in the morning. It closed at 2. They let me get on the stage and sing. And um, and they let me work with the, one of the piano players there. They had two uh, two in the club, and I'd work with him. We'd work up some numbers, and I'd do them late at night. Well, one night, the uh, producer of Art Linkletter's House Party Show on CBS was back in the, you know, 60s. Yeah, no, I remember. Uh, kids say the darndest thing was the thing that made that show so popular. But anyhow, he said, I think you might be. I think you'd be good for our audience. I said, well, okay. <laughs> so I went and did a Art Linkletter show Um it was on at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something. Wow. And I sang, the first cut song I ever sang on there was My Cup Runneth Over. Well, he got so much mail, he didn't realize 90% of it was from Mississippi. <laughs> but <laughs> I love it. I love it. It was. I still got a lot of those letters. That's amazing. From 1966. And uh, he, so he kept having me on that show. I did that show at least hmm, once or twice a month, I'd say for the rest of that year, 1966. I mean, that was great. I mean, I, I learned an awful lot about that. I knew nothing about television, about how the cameras worked and how the director worked and all that kind of stuff. But that was fun to learn, but I couldn't get anything going from that. I found out that nobody in the record business watched daytime television. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they just, 
Central Union. It, it, it got me nowhere. <laughs> so, see. And you're on a national, so, this show's a national show, so your folks and people that are writing in, they're watching this show. I mean, I, I remember my, my grandparents and my parents watching that show. Anyway, they only had three channels, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's shocking to show. me. That's shocking to me that, what, did you need to have some original music? or? And I know you're going to get there, but and you're going to tell me this and our listeners, <laughs> but w- what was lacking or just peop- that record labels weren't paying attention? What did you have to do? I don't know. I, I asked people who had been in the business longer than I have, you know, what 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 are we going what what should I do here because this exposure has done nothing for me as far as getting any kind of a record deal. I mean, mm. no interest. They said, "Well, you know, at that particular time, a single male singers were a dime a dozen. I mean, it was Tom Jones, Engelbert Humperdinck. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were everywhere." Single male singers. He said, "Well, you need to try something different. Try something either different kind of music or anyhow." I went back to the horns. What I did and teamed up with my old friend David that had, I'd met that got me the job, my first job out there, and we formed the team of Guy and David. Mm-hmm. Well, we were an instant hit. And every time we'd perform in the horn, the people would just go wild. I can go on with this, how we got oh, on. You know well, what? You're, you know, I'm glad you're keeping up with it, me. Uh, it's time to go to break. <laughs> so we'll do uh, that. But okay. before we go to break, first of all, folks, this is a perfect prime example of such incredible history made. And I get to talk to him on the phone today. I'm always blessed. At, I feel so blessed to be able to do that and get to know you better. With Guy Hovis today, uh, he knows the birthplace of American music is us better. You're talking about gospel, his background. We, you run into all sorts of forms of music when you're in Mississippi. You don't have no choice. It hits you from every angle, from rock and roll to blues to country to gospel, which makes us that place. So you get to play DJ right now, Mr. Hobus, but I'm not bringing Elvis into the equation, so I know what would happen. So would you like to hear our pal Charlie Pride or our old Charlie pal? Pride. Well, you get to pick, though, or our old pal Conway Twitty. Oh, you can only pick one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I played golf with Charlie if no. Not with Conway, but I've met them both. So you want to hear a little Charlie instead of Conway? Am I picking this for you today? I'll take either one of them because I love both of them. <laughs> okay. I'm a traditional country music fan. Hey, I wonder if we could we could play Charlie Twitty or either uh, Conway Pride. I'll let my I'll let my I'll let my producer decide. During the Mississippi Minute, go to visit Mississippi.org. Keep Mississippi beautiful. Studios, how we roll. I'm with Guy Hovis. Stand by. I can see I've been way too long Roll on, Mississippi Roll on Mississippi Roll on One of the main ingredients of a long and happy life is the feeling of being needed. This song by our popular husband and wife team, Guy and Rolna, expresses it very nicely. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I cried a tear, you wiped it. I was confused, you cleared my mind. 
so much. I love talking to legends in Mississippi, and uh, that's exactly who my guest is today, whether he likes to hear it or not. Uh, and he's a living legend, which is fantastic. <laughs> oh, Guy Hovis. <laughs> I love it. Visit Mississippi.org. He knows all about it. He's a part of this rich cultural history. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, from Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. It's perfect. It's a perfect marriage right now. Uh, so, Guy, come on. Let's keep going with it. You end up on the Lawrence Welk Show at some point. So we wound up with a manager, and we were on ABC Records. We did a did an album, and uh, our manager, oh, and we also did, back then, Joey Bishop had a, a late-night show like Johnny Carson, and, uh, and uh, anyhow. Right, right. We were on that Joy Bishop show. He had us on every night for one week. What? I mean, it was like unheard of to have one act on every five nights in a row. Well, <laughs> we uh, our, our manager thought we were stars after that. So he priced us right out of the business. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we got two jobs out of that. We did get a few. We traveled around the country a little bit and... Uh, Nothing more ever came. We couldn't get a single off that album to do much anything. We right. just didn't have the the right team working for us, as yeah. they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, back then there was nobody. Were three networks. That's I know. all you could watch. That's my point. Long story short, David and I didn't last, but we 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 worked for about two years together. <clears throat> During which time, I had met this lovely gal from Texas um, at the Horn. We wound up getting married. I'm guessing that was well. I know we got married in 1969, but you better. Her know. <laughs> grandmother had always been a big fan of Lawrence Welk. She said, I, j- "I just want to do one show so my grandmother can see me on the Lawrence Welk show." So one of the guys that used to come into the Horn was one of the arrangers that worked on the music arrangers that worked on the Welk show. He set up a, an audition for her. And I took my guitar and we went down to the office after Lawrence came in from playing golf one day and. As he did just about every day, and we she signed for it. And you know, he said one of those things that we've all heard so often. You know, is uh, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> no, he said we don't have anything right now. He said if anything comes up, you know, leave us your phone number and how to get in touch with you. Lo and behold, six weeks later, one of the gals quit on the Welk Show, Andrew Willis. So they called Rona. Said, want you to come down and do a, a guest spot, and she did. Lawrence Welk wanted to hire her, and <laughs> Ron was a jazz singer. She grew up doing the jazz. I mean, that was her thing. She wasn't real sure she wanted to do that Lawrence Welk show, <laughs> and we were all like, "Are you kidding?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a, a top ten nationwide TV yeah. show. So she finally said, "Okay, okay." So she went and uh, joined the Welk show. So she was off running the country with the Welk Show, and I was off running around with the country with David, and we weren't seeing a whole lot of each other. Yeah. So she asked Lawrence Welk, every year the Welk Show would have a Christmas program where they'd have all the families and the kids on there. Right. And yeah. uh, she talked Lawrence into letting me come on that show where we had to go down and sing the song for him. But uh, he said, okay. She talked him into uh, letting us sing this little song called uh, Old Toy Trains. Uh, on the Christmas show of 1969. Well, in all those years, Lars Welker, this is, he'd already been on nationwide television like, let's see, that was 69. He started in 55. So almost 15 years he'd been on national television. He had never had a husband and wife team on his show. So he got tons of mail from that first 
thing we did on that Christmas show. And uh, Lawrence never was one to make a quick decision. He had me back a couple more times to make sure that mail wasn't a fluke. <laughs> and it wasn't. He kept getting lots and lots of, of mail. And there again, a whole lot of it was from Mississippi. Yeah. So yeah. he asked me to join the show. Um, a couple of months later, so I told my partner David, I said, I'm, I think I'm going to have to do this, David. Sorry. But yeah, and you and Ralna could spend the time together and do that, and it made a lot of sense, and you didn't have to go anywhere. The world was coming uh, to you. That's it, man. And we, we enjoyed, oh, let's see, we were on 70. The show ran until 1982 <sighs> in first runs, and then in 80. The reruns ran until 85 or 6, and then syndication, yeah. public broadcasting picked it up in 86, and it is still on the air in most parts of the country. Unfortunately, Mississippi Public Broadcasting decided not to carry it anymore about three years ago. Well, what about, like, globally? I mean, have you seen it, like, uh, where they change your, where your voices and you're speaking in a different language? Nope. That's the one thing uh, Lawrence's manager, our road manager, the guy who booked all his concerts, he never would venture out of this country. Wow. Other yeah. than Canada and did we ever go to Mexico? But never to, like, Europe or any of the rest of, of the world, where, where this, this show would have been a monster hit yeah, in Europe, yeah. for sure. Oh, no doubt. Well, what, what were the yeah. rigors of doing the show? Like, uh, give me a day in the life of Lawrence Welk once y'all were rolling? Well, you know, by the time we got there, 15 years they have been doing this at the same studio, same cameraman, same directors. They had this thing down to, it was just clockwork. <clears throat> They'd have a production meeting on Mondays. While they were doing that, the, uh, the singers would be doing uh, trying on costumes for the show, rehearsing music for the show, and choreography on Mondays. Of course, we'd be doing stuff they had figured out last week. And then on Tuesdays, we would go into to the uh, recording studio and rehearse the music. Some of the numbers were pre-recorded, the production numbers. So we'd record those, and we, we were there all day on Tuesdays. And then um, Wednesday morning, we'd go into the to the studio, uh, we'd do a complete run through of the show till about five o'clock in the afternoon. We'd do a dress rehearsal till seven, take a break, and at eight o'clock, it was like a live show. Mm. We started at eight o'clock, and at nine o'clock, that show was done. Wow! And uh, as Lawrence, Lawrence Welk used to say, it cost him like four hundred dollars a minute or something every time you'd stop tape for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> he said, if you forget the words, you can just hum. <laughs> the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday thing was if we only did one show. Sometimes we'd do two shows a week. That got pretty pretty uh, grueling at the time you got through on Friday. And we would usually go from the time we got through uh, taping show Thursday or Friday, we'd go to the airport, catch a plane, going somewhere to do a, a concert. I got you. Okay, so y'all were heading out to take the show on the road. No, we were doing our own things. That oh, was how oh, we I got you. oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got yeah, you. Okay, we, you we and Ralna uh, were heading out. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the acts did uh, their own things on weekends. That's how you make any money because Lawrence wasn't paying us anything. Yeah, yeah. But he did give us, you know, the exposure to be able to go out there and, and do our own thing. We, we record albums and 
So, oh yeah, um, yeah. It, it it sort of was just it, it was your platform to help you launch, and you just it was your trunk of your tree, and you just needed limbs and bear fruit on every limb, and that's what yeah. you do. <laughs> it that's was it, it was your catalyst. What <laughs> was know, he like as a, as you know you you talk about all the <laughs> that's so funny. You you talk you, we see right now a, a lot of the sexist, the bullying, the harassment, all this stuff going on, and all these people getting, they're getting nailed right now, right? And, and a yeah. lot of them rightfully so. Some people are accused, and who knows, but the, the bottom line, back then, what, back what was then, the business like? Back then, the business, we were almost, we were like a separate part in showbiz. I mean, we knew people that were in the mainstream of the, of the business and didn't run around with a lot of them. Because we all kind of ran around together, they were, yeah. we had a. It was it was really as they called it a musical family, the Lawrence Welk musical family, and it was all of us just about were just real compatible. Lawrence did a real good job of choosing people to to hire. I don't know. We just we had hardly any problems like that. We it was like we all got paid the same, uh, so it was kind of like you know being in the army or something. Just mm-hmm. everybody just did their job and. And and went on, you know. Didn't, right. There were not a whole lot of big egos. Um, it's like I tell people. They say, "What was it like to work on Lawrence Welk show?" I said, "Well, <clears throat> as long as you understood that it was Lawrence Welk show, you got along fine." Yeah. <laughs> but if you ever started to think it might be, you know, partly yours, and you might be able to have a say so in it, then uh, you're probably going to run into some trouble. I love that we're talking to Guy Hobus here in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out a lot about our man that we're not going to get to in a complete Mississippi minute. Uh, just don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. I'm Steve Azar. Thanks for tuning in. Folks, Steve Azar here. My friends at Guarantee Bank are setting the standard in banking. So Guarantee Bank is committed to excellence in financial services and their delivery to strengthen the communities they serve and help improve the quality of life for those all-important areas. So make your reservation today. Their doors are open. Just schedule your appointment and reserve your spot prior to visiting them at gbtonline.com. The entire team of Guarantee Bank are committed to serving you and keeping you and their staff safe during these unprecedented times. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. Touching by our mail, our television audience loves the old hymns. They also love this wonderful husband and wife team, so this should be a very popular combination. Guy and Rolna singing in the garden. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I come to the garden alone. Winding down a Mississippi highway with a Mississippi man, Guy Hobus, the great Guy Hobus. So excited that we've got to spend this time. We've got a short segment left, and I would love to talk to you for for at least another three days straight, and I know that you would be sick of me. But anyway, Guy, Mr. Hobus, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, go to visit Mississippi.org, folks, uh, to find out all the cool, cultural, fun things you can do right here short drive away especially right now during these trying times uh you know just uh 
keep Mississippi beautiful. That's how we roll. So, guy, yeah. just working with Jim Neighbors and like I loved him. So I was a big Andy Griffith fan, and and we saw shows like his the Gomer Powell show. Does that that spins off? It's a spin from the Andy Griffith show. Am I right? Am I doing? Right. Am I doing my order? And we've seen a lot yep. of this. You know, our, my our friends. Kevin James and Gary Valentine. Kevin was sleeping on Ray Romano's floor. Ray starts putting him on his show. You know, sort of is the thought of what. I don't know if it was really his floor, but the point was they were friends. And then, you know, Kevin, King of Queens, comes. That that happens a lot when you sort of have some a springboard. You and yeah. Rowland, did y'all ever think about doing your own show? Well, we tried a couple of times. We hired, hired a, a different manager and... We actually left the Welk Show for about uh, three months or so and tried to get our own thing going. We uh, actually were uh, trying to do some country music. I loved country music. Ronald went wild about it, but we did a country album, went to Nashville, tried to get something going from that. And, uh, you know, we found out pretty quickly that we just about had Lawrence Welk tattooed right across our boards. Yeah. We were so associated with that show that it, we just could not quite get away from it to uh, to start our own own thing. So we wound up going back to the Welk show and, you know, bless his heart, Lawrence took us right back in. And uh, But we kept trying. We kept recording songs, trying to, you know, trying to get a single, do anything. I didn't write much. I mean, I, I I wrote, but it wasn't very good, like you like you're writing. Oh, I don't know about I, that. That's complicated. I never had a, anybody record anything of my written except me. Yeah. But uh, came so close with Glenn Campbell one time. He was going to record one of my songs. Oh. The last last minute they cut it. But but anyhow, it's been uh, you know I've just I've just been blessed my whole life, my whole career here, and to, to get back home to Mississippi has been the greatest blessing. And uh, Yeah, when did you decide to do that? Because, you know, obviously there was a point, you talk about being uh, one a God thing for sure, uh, coming back home was something that was totally unexpected for me and my family. Kids all born and raised in Nashville, mostly or to a certain point, and and I it was not a it was not uh, like it was it was out of my control. You know what I mean? And it was such a great thing. So I for know. you, when and how? Well, L.A. was just about by the end of the '80s. It had gotten so crowded. Just so, I just. You know, a lot of my friends had left already, gone to Nashville or Austin or somewhere. And uh, during 1988, my old friend, fraternity brother Trent Lott, run ran for the U.S. Senate, and I came down here and did some campaign stuff for him. Well, he won the election. Hmm. So in 19, about two years later, he'd been trying to run his Mississippi offices out of Washington, and it just wasn't working. And he needed somebody down here on the ground. So he asked me if I wanted to do it. And it was the timing was just perfect. I mean, Ronald and I had gotten to where we weren't doing much at all, and uh, I was tired of traveling anyway. So I took the job as his state director in uh, 1990. Little did I know this Welk show was going to keep going on. He was gracious enough to let me go and do this. Every time they did a special, I was able to go and do the uh, TV specials. But I stayed with him for mm, two terms or more. Wow. And, uh, so great. It, just a blessing in disguise there. And you and then, then you you haven't left Jackson. No. Since, yeah. Well, yeah, we lived I moved back to the Jackson area and we're still here and this wonderful woman I met 
from the from the Delta. She got me a Delta woman. We That's how you roll. That's you know I had to go across <laughs> the bridge and steal one from Arkansas, but I made her a Delta girl. So uh, yeah. it's part of, actually from Conway, Arkansas. But uh, and I look back at her dad. You know uh, her dad, who I love so much, uh, and uh, I'm going like. What were you doing, letting the long-haired Greenville, Mississippi Delta boy take away, take your daughter across uh, across that bridge? That you know, and uh, but anyway, it's been such a, it's been a wonderful experience for sure, and blessing and all that. Well, look, we've run out of a Mississippi minute, and I know you probably wanting uh, to maybe uh, get away. I know you got you said you had family in, or you got you got a crowd coming. Yeah, this, we got a, on? got a bunch of refugees from that hurricane in Louisiana. Yeah. The house, and yeah, glad we got a place for them. And, uh, Wonderful. Well, we'll Wait, you and me will play yeah. some golf soon. Uh, I appreciate you taking it. the time. We'll go see Randy, and he'll give us a lesson, and uh, and maybe you'll make your second hole in one. I'm gonna tell you something. When you make one, they sort of happen in spurts. I got just get ready. Don't be uh, don't be shocked if it happens hey, again. I am ready. <laughs> I love I'm it. a big. I love your music, Steve. And oh, I really thank you. Appreciate you taking the time to oh, talk. Oh, that makes my day. I appreciate you. We met the great guy Hobus and Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute. Go to visit Mississippi.org. You can find out all, a lot more about Guy that we didn't get to. Uh, blessings to you all. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. We'll see you later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. I'm still trying to find my way Hey, folks. For over 75 years, Guarantee Bank has been committed to meeting the financial needs of their customers and communities. Even during this challenging time, that commitment remains the same. They're always there to serve your everyday banking needs, answer your questions, offer support, and get through this together. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.